Hey, hey, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Dark Dreams and Troubled Souls podcast, where I read my creepy stories just for you. Today's story is Only the Moon. Are you ready? Here we go. How much protection could a pane of glass offer? Emily placed a hand flat on the cool surface. A scream shattered the stillness, and she recoiled from the door. Over the course of the last hour, she'd heard so many screams that she lost count. High-pitched shrieks, piercing, fleeting, filled with the fear of imminent death. They sounded too much like children. She had none of her own, but instinct still pulsed through her and imbued the sound with the power to reach right in and grip her heart. I'm going to check it out. Mike, the guy she'd dated for the last couple of months, was more curious than afraid, more concerned than cowardly. The old man said to stay inside after dark. I thought he was a superstitious moron. Yes. She had called the owner of the place both superstitious and a moron, but that was hours ago, when the sun was up and birds sang, before the screams began. Another one cut across the grass, longer, arcing higher into a shrill cry that made Emily cover her ears. Then Mike's hunting knife was in his hand, and he was sliding the door open, slinking across the moonlit lawn to the edge of the trees disappearing into the darkness there, and Emily was alone. A cabin in the woods was supposed to be relaxing. She'd envisioned sunrises watched with coffee in hand, Mike chopping wood with no shirt on. She'd hoped for romantic hikes and time alone with him. What she got was unnervingly loud wildlife and the property owner's ridiculous story about forest spirits. However, the owner's house lay just up the hill. No matter what she thought of him, she was glad he was nearby. She glanced at the phone, the landline, possibly a lifeline because there was no cellular reception that far out. Its continued presence comforted her a little. She waited in darkness at the glass door, listening to the screams that seemed to move within the forest. One would come from the left, and the next, further in. She imagined a pack of wolves prowling the forest for prey. Nothing small stood a chance. Mike didn't come back. She checked the clock. Ten minutes passed. Fifteen. She went to the kitchen and got a heavy meat tenderizer and a steak knife from a drawer, a weapon for each hand. She pondered the phone again and decided to call the old man. She lifted the receiver, rapid busy signal, she put it back. Heart pounding, she hauled the door open, and the cool night air hit her. Out in the world of shadows and screams, crickets churred. Wind pushed through the trees, rising and falling like the breath of a god. The house on the hill to her right stood tall and strong and bathed in golden light. She headed that way, keeping her eyes on it instead of the forest. Emily. Mike's voice right behind her, but she was alone. Come here. Further away, closer to the trees. I want to show you something. She tightened her grip on her weapons. 
glanced up at the house again. A chill fell over her, and she shivered. Whatever this was, she couldn't trust it. She couldn't trust him. How well did she really know him? Why did he bring her to this place? Come here. The voice of Mike beckoned again, this time from just inside the trees. She squinted and made out a vague outline, the shape of him in the dark. He turned to walk away. She stepped toward him. Another scream tore through the quiet. Breath wouldn't come, and she stopped, unable to move, and she thought of the glass again and longed for the illusion of safety. Mike laughed, a low sound and a patient one. Come on, girl. No. Another scream. A scream in a voice that sounded like her rose from the trees. It drew itself out, hovering, looming, driving her to the ground, going on for what seemed like an hour. Then as suddenly as it came on, it was gone. When she opened her eyes, her face was wet with tears. She grabbed her kitchen weapons and scrambled to her feet, running for the door, eager to return to her place at the glass. The door opened with ease. It let her in, and she fell through the floor, landed hard on her hands and knees on a muddy trail. Emily was in the forest. She stood. No, she told herself as she wheeled around, scanning the trees. No, she whispered. The knife and the hammer were gone. This had to be a nightmare. The soil beneath her rumbled, and the surface crumbled, and she backed away. Tree roots drew back, their wet ends lifting from the soil and weaving together. They fused and grew larger, forming shapes that began as primitive, but slowly worked toward becoming torsos, heads, freakishly long arms. Emily barreled up the trail, not knowing whether she moved toward the safety of the house or away from it. She didn't turn to look. She didn't want to know what followed. What sort of creatures broke fallen branches underfoot? What sort of creatures made the awful wet breathing sound that closed in with every step? In the dark, she didn't see the top of the hill until she was on it, and then she was hurtling down the other side, dodging saplings and low leafy plants that clung to her. Ahead, a clearing came into view, a spot where the moon concentrated its light. She broke from the trees and stopped. The noise behind her fell silent, and all she heard was her trembling breath and her pulse pounding in her ears. She closed her eyes and stood, hands clenched at her sides as she waited for whatever came next. Not real. Not real. None of it could be. Sweat trickled from her temple, down the side of her face, an unwelcome sign that this was no dream. Monsters watched. Their collective gaze radiated a strange energy she could feel from behind. She forced her eyes open, forced herself to turn. Their skin was a dingy pale color. Long, slender fingers connected to arms, to shoulders, to lean bodies. They made a wall, merged with each other and with the trees in a kind of grotesque lattice. With black as pitch eyes, they watched her. 
their limbs unmoving save a gentle, almost undetectable swaying motion that passed through the lot of them, as if they acted on the will of a single mind. Emily suddenly remembered why she left the safety of the glass. Mike? He could still be out there somewhere, maybe looking for her. Maybe he knew the way back, or he could, at least, help her understand what was happening to them. She turned, and he stood at the center of the clearing, several feet away, his bare back to her, and shoulders hunched as he hung his head. His skin was dark, too dark, almost black, as if painted in shadow. Emily restrained an urge to call out to him. She approached slowly, tentatively, trying to move quietly, despite the fact that the wall of monsters behind her already knew exactly where she was. Closer, stepping over tangles of vines and stems wet with dew, under the light of the full moon, she moved through the haze, hoping, praying that Mike was still alive and not dead, but somehow still standing there, like bait in a trap. She reached for him, for the dark skin she now saw was textured like tree bark with tiny rivers of blood resting in the deepest grooves. Mike? He didn't turn. He didn't react at all, until she was about to touch him. Mike threw himself forward, onto the forest floor. As he landed on hands and knees, the plants beneath him coiled around his arms. Emily backed away. Then came the sound of wet breathing once more, and the pale creatures dropped to the ground in a cascade of bodies. They rushed past her, their chill washing over her as they headed for Mike. She thought they would attack like a pack of wild dogs. What they did was much worse. They hurled themselves at him, one after the other, and each body that hit made the thing which had been Mike grow and howl in agony. Larger and larger he became, more and more monstrous. Ten feet, fifteen, his arms and legs stretched grotesquely. Emily fled from the clearing before they could finish. She ran blindly into the woods, branches lashing her face and arms, ruts in the ground threatening to steal any chance she had to get away, because the monster would come for her. That was the plan all along. She broke from the trees at the edge of a lake. Moonlight rippled, and waves lapped the beach. She passed an overturned canoe and made for the water, splashed through it until it was too deep, and she had to swim. Emily swam as fast as she could, churning through the water until her muscles went weak. Her head dipped below the surface, and she rose back up, choking. Venturing a look back at the shore, she saw nothing pursued her, the canoe, now tiny in the distance, was lonely in the night. Should she swim back? No, never back. But the other side of the lake wasn't visible. No other shore lay within reach. Then something in the water moved toward her, carving a V-shaped ripple through the reflection of moonlight. She let out a cry and tried to swim again. Her arms failed her, and she dipped under the water again. Then there was no clawing back to the surface. She had only the fall, but it was peaceful, sinking into the darkness and the quiet. She would go quickly, she thought, and just like that, it would all be over. 
as long as this hellish night ended, as long as she never had to see any more monsters, she didn't mind letting go. She resigned herself to the depths, but they would not take her, for she belonged to something else. Light poured over her, white and vast, cold. As it lifted her toward the surface, she was still, not quite alive, but not quite dead either. Emily let the moon take it all, the memories and the fear, and as these trappings drifted away, a new consciousness replaced them. Then she emerged from the water, walking onto the beach, where the shadow monster waited. Light emanated from her, and though she faced a fearsome thing, she was not afraid. The shadowy creature towered over her, looking down, its dark eyes set deep in its wooden skin. She felt its pain and its rage. Emily stepped closer. She laid her hand on it, and the thing shuddered. It crumbled, dissolving into sand at her feet, until only a human form remained. It was Mike, but it was not Mike. And she was Emily, but not Emily. He faced her, and they stood together on the beach, the monsters gone, the air clear, and the sound of small waves slapping at the beach. This was how he would let her end his torment, at least for now, because only the moon can push back the night. She touched his face. He wrapped his arms around her, and together they faded from the world. The End Thank you for listening to the Dark Dreams and Troubled Souls podcast. If you'd like to help a girl out, please rate and review the podcast. Additionally, more fiction is on the way, so be sure to subscribe if you'd like to get in on that. The series is also available in ebook form on Amazon. My website and blog can be found at www.learyan.com. See you next time!